Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of the Scene From Above podcast. I'm Alistair. And I'm Andrew. And we are your hosts for a show that aims to bring you an informal discussion around the cool things happening in and around the world of Earth observation at the moment. You can reach us on Twitter using the hashtag SceneFromAbove. The Scene From Above podcast is planning to have a season comprising of six episodes, and these will be spaced roughly about three weeks apart. Once we get to the end of season one, then we will review where we are and we'll look for some feedback from people who are listening to this uh, to see whether or not we carry on and do a season two. We'll try and cover the broadest spectrum of topics. I would be delighted to take input from anybody about what would be interesting to discuss, whether it be a specific satellite mission or maybe time series of data or maybe maybe thoughts and contributions about where we are where we're heading there's so many exciting things happening we really want to be part of the the wider community so i want to talk a bit about fires in california yes very topical it seems to me that that 2017 as, as we reflect here on, I like to say the date, the 15th of December, as we reflect here on the wildfires in California, which have been burning for, uh, I, I think, over a week now. And I, I really feel now that, that the data from these different sensors is really helping aid and communicate the, the full extent of these fires and really brings it home when you see uh, these these images. So there's the, the, the earthobservatory.nasa.gov uh, have great images on their page. Um, they've, got, they've got one that I'm looking at now of the carbon monoxide, total carbon monoxide admitted. And it's huge. It, it's, a, it's a huge amount. And it, it's with this sort of visualisation of the data that I, that I found really, really striking. Yeah. So did you also see the earlier in the year, there were some wildfires up in Greenland that were being reported on Twitter as well. It really yeah. seems to me as if the, the sort of wildfire monitoring community has got everything in place at the moment. They're, whatever their workflow is and their, their method of communication and getting the data out to the people that need it, it seems to be really, really absolutely on the ball. And they're getting quick turnaround of information, getting it well communicated out there across social media um, for all sorts of different fire events. Some that affect large populations of people, such as those in California, and then others that people probably wouldn't hear about, such as those up in Greenland. So, yeah, I, I think they're doing a great job. And satellite imagery is really coming to the front in terms of how it can help people on the ground understand what's happening and also help the wider uh, audience as it were yeah the greenland thing's interesting isn't it i mean it's it's the this is the peatland isn't it i think and th- this stuff just burns doesn't it It just really continuously burns and I, and I think the time frame of this burn has been many many days uh, if not stretching into months exactly it's promoting the fact that it's actually happening and educating more and more people about the the impacts that there are on the environment from all of these natural disasters and semi-natural disasters. I mean, in some respects, you could say the same about the the earthquake monitoring community as well. They also have very rapid turnaround. Use of satellite data is linked into almost every aspect of what they're doing. 
in terms of look, monitoring the size and extent of, of change uh, where the earthquake has happened and then getting that out to the people who need it on the ground. All of these disasters are, are terrible for the people caught up in them. I think we're really beginning to see operational remote sensing come to the fore. Yeah, I think so. Um, another thing that, that really sort of grabbed me this week was the International Space Station. <laughs> the, uh, it's, it's been on an orbit which has made it very clear uh, across the skies in the UK. And we've stood out in our, our back garden a couple of nights to see this very bright dot in the sky. It's amazing, isn't it? Overhead. And it, it's, just, it's just stunning. This year I've seen Digital Globe take a picture of Worldview 4 taking off and Planet recording an amazing series of, of, of uh, stills pushed into a video of um, the launch of one of their dubs. And it made me wonder if there's ever been a satellite image taken of uh, Suez returning to Earth, as we've had this week with uh, three of the guys coming back from the, the ISS. That's a good point. I've never come across one. No, uh, I, I thought that that would be quite a, a telling image because now, I mean, now you can have, I, I, I assume it's live footage from the cockpit of the Suez as it takes off and you get cameras, you know, returning, recording their, their journey back to Earth. So a satellite image would be pretty, pretty spectacular, I would say. And it just aids to the, the education, you know, of, of, the, of, of the community and stuff. I mean, I've seen, I've seen images that one of the Landsat sensors, probably Landsat 8, has taken of the International Space Station. And while it's very small and blurry, it is still, you know, pretty, <laughs> pretty impressive stuff, I think. Um, I came across something called openeo.org, which I think, it, knowing the types of things that you blog about, I think you're going to be super interested in this. Yeah, I've seen it. It's, it. It looks good, doesn't it? Yeah, so it's basically, as far as I can tell, it's a new project, um, H2020 funding out of Europe. But not only that, it also has Google Earth Engine as a partner, just to get that in there, as, as we're trying to do. <laughs> um, but it's basically accepting that all of the um, modern Earth observation remote sensing types of data uh, portals and platforms are going to be online and it's trying to de derive standardized APIs looks like for R, Python and JavaScript. It's just getting going. It's got a few years of funding. Um, be really interesting to keep on top of this one and see where we go. So the other thing I've seen was a discussion on the Conservation Remote Sensing Network Google group um, that I'm signed up to. This is really interesting. So this is someone who had a problem where they wanted to try and detect more or less real time a poacher's campfire using satellite data. Okay. So we're, talk we're talking down to sort of one meter, may maybe a meter and a half maximum in terms of um, the size of object that you're trying to, to see. And they've been talking, uh, basically looking through the, um, the discussions that's there at the moment, they've been talking about all sorts of different methods they could use and how they could do that. And they're talking about using digital globe data um, and Planet Labs data, but it's all going to be around how quickly you can get access to information as it's captured, because the whole point of capturing these, these poachers 
is to try and, and sort of send a task force out there to try and find them. So having a, a week's turnaround of the imagery isn't going to be good enough. So there's loads of really complex issues in here, which are great. And I think because it's driven by the, the conservation side of things, they're just asking the question. It's like, well, I want super high resolution. I want it at night. I want it, I want it in almost real time. How do we go about doing that? And, and loads of people have sort of chucked their, their thoughts in. And um, finally, the things I've seen this week, Sentinel-3, which is a very heavily loaded sensor with, with various um, ocean monitoring and land monitoring sensors on. There's been a web portal or a web viewer uh, released. I don't know actually if it came out recently, but I've only, you know, only just come aware of it. And I went looking the other night to see the snowy images that we've had in, in the UK this week. Uh, these, these sort of portals are sort of ten a penny now, aren't they, for viewing satellite data and this is another one on the market uh, and it's quite a nice slick and quick interface and what I really like about it is that you can share links uh, with, with, with people, uh, social media or whatever of the actual images that you're looking at and you can sort of train it to the area that you're, that you're most interested in and it's pretty fast. It is pretty fast yeah and some very like you say some very nice imagery on that like just moving around it at the moment I quite like the fact that the um I'm assuming it's the Google satellite layer on the back end, but it, it looks, it moves around just slightly fractionally slower than the Sentinel-3 image. So it makes it look like the Sentinel-3 images are a, a layer that is sort of draped over. It's got a, a slight 3D effect. I don't know if that's, that's right. Purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether that's on purpose or, or not, but it looks super cool. <laughs> well, that's the main thing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. The, the thing that, that I, I wish was a bit clearer is on the left-hand side, you see this um, products tab button. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's a little bit hidden, I think. And this is, this is really where the, the power is. You can, you know, you can turn on, on, on and off all these layers. I mean, if you're familiar with a, a, a web GIS, you know, it's quite a common, common look. But you can, you can see, based on the different dates, where these different images have been taken. And you know, I'm, I'm looking at the image from the 11th of December over the UK and you can see you know you can compare different sensors of, of, of view different parts on each pass and that's pretty interesting as well that's a nice functionality in there I'm gonna spend some time looking around that there's a tendency for a race to deliver these web front ends and and really I think that leads us quite nicely to our general topic for discussion which is is there a killer Earth Observation EO app. Yeah, so Google Earth is the killer app. It's easy to use. It's a huge number of downloads. It's on everybody's computer, it seems. You can fly around the world, view, view your holiday destinations, sites of interest. But even though these are nice pictures, there is more to be seen. So can we foresee a time when some company or someone will come along and produce uh, another version of Google Earth or a, a, a better version? Or is Google Earth the killer app? Well, that's an interesting concept and idea to discuss. With Google Earth having been around since 2001, I mean, this is still the thing that people identify most closely with remote sensing, satellite data, Earth observation. 
Now, I don't know how much it gets used day to day by by people who are just looking for places to go and what have you. Because, I mean, there's so many online mapping apps now that are as good and have some form of 3D-ness as well. But Google Earth certainly was the thing that transformed the industry. I mean, almost overnight, I remember my my boss at a previous job emailing me and going, this is what you do. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, this is sort of what I do. And I'm glad that you understand now sort of a bit more about what I do. But, but yeah, he was so excited about being able to just have something on his desktop where he could zoom in and out and around the world and see imagery. And but I think it'll be very difficult for any app to be able to have that same level of game changingness, if that's a word. Yeah. So I think there are probably things that will start to erode into how much Google Earth is is used as sort of the go-to descriptor of, of what remote sensing is. So it might not be that there's another killer app. It might not be that there's another thing that lots and lots of non-remote sensing people use, but there might be an app that is used as a way of understanding what it is that satellite data can provide. Google Earth has really um, set the foundation almost, or reset the foundation when it, when it came out. And I think I first really became aware of it sort of 2004, 2005 time. But there, was a, there, there still seems to be to be a race to deliver web-based mapping or web-based uh, image front ends. Um, we talked about the Sentinel-3 application earlier. And I sometimes wonder that these things are nice, but how, how much are people actually interacting with it? I'm sure there's all the owners of these pages are, are recording very detailed analytics and metrics. But as, as humans, we, we tend to like to just look at data. And, that, and that's really where the visualization of it comes in. And I think with Google Earth is you don't need a guide and how to use it you don't need to flick the mouse around you you just just feels natural and for me i think that's even today a good decade on it's still the leading platform yeah so for anyone who doesn't use gis or really need to try and understand format types being able to just send them in a kml or a kmz and just go yeah here look at this and it zooms in to whatever it is that you've sent them that yeah that can't be understated just how useful that is for them i i was gonna um chip in and say that I actually saw a video uh, on YouTube this week called, I, I think it's called the 2020 vision for a world empowered by satellites. And it's, I've just gone looking for it and it's three years old. Um, All right. And it's a discussion between two people and they're, they're talking to their computer. They're effectively their listening device and it's reporting the status of the weather, for example, or what's going on. And, and it's kind of, is it Minority Report? All these screens are, are appearing and, you know, these holographics. Oh, yeah. It's 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 that. Well, I'll stick it in the uh, the show notes of the, of the podcast. It's quite a, an interesting video. It's about five minutes long. Um, okay. But, yeah, it's three years old. But, you know, it's it feel, even today it feels increasingly relevant. Yeah. But I also think that having lots of individual applications out there on the web or even software that you download that are just looking at one specific topic isn't going to work it's whatever happens there's going to have to be some sort of interaction between artificial intelligence and machine learning and computer vision and everything else bringing in maybe other data sources 
automatically as web services in the back end so that you have a, a system whereby you if you want to find out something it's almost like a, a spatial wikipedia or something if this yeah, makes sense yeah so are you envisaging a future where it, it's not sustainable to have 50 different websites showing 50 different pieces of information where you have one website showing the 50 different pieces of information well I think there will be 50 websites because that's just the way that human nature is. Everyone wants their own thing. And I think there will be a demand, irrespective of whether there's one killer app, there will always be a demand for competition and having something very specific. But I think if we're talking specifically, as we are now, about what could potentially be the next killer app, the next Google Earth type of thing to completely revolutionize the way that people think about satellite data and everything else, it would be having a single place where you could go in and you could ask questions about what has happened in that area. And it wouldn't just be, oh, well, this area has deforested. It would be, well, this area has deforested and it started deforesting at this point in time and it, it increased in its rate by this point in time. And that coincided with change in population. That change in population coincided with change in governance. All these different things. You know, you would almost have your research site there for whatever it was you're doing, but it would be driven spatially by satellite data. It would be a that would be a connection exercise, wouldn't it? Where you'd have to connect up a huge variety of different information sources. I see what you mean by the geospatial Wikipedia. That that sounds to me like an ideal governmental type tool that would you know help you communicate project based or local regional type information to a wider community almost to say canned in questions like how long is this road engineering going to happen and show, show me what's happened um, over the last five months i've just gone online and done a search for spatial wikipedia <laughs> i've come up with something called wikimapia so they're already on it there you go this looks really cool actually as far as i can tell it's not something the way you can go in and ask a question about an area and it tells you all sorts of information about that but it has a whole series of polygons. You can click on those polygons and each polygon then has a link through to an, a Wikipedia article by the looks of it. This is very cool. There you go. This is what, this is what, this is what we plan the podcast for, isn't it? <laughs> real, real time internet searching. <laughs> your internet yeah. running slow, then let us search for you. <laughs> the, the danger is that there's a rush to the killer app and we may already be at a killer app or we may not need a killer app. So it's maybe we need to reframe the question. Okay, well, I think we ought to wrap up there then. Okay, well, happy Christmas. Thank you very much. And we'll definitely be back in the new year, ready to record a new podcast. So we'll see you then. Goodbye. Cheers. That bit in bold where it says, and I'm Andrew, that's you coming in and going, and I'm Andrew. Yep, got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Podcast music is Cracker Jacks and Tin Whistles by Ocean Heights and is licensed under the Attribution Non-Commercial Creative Commons license. Available on freemusicarchive.org.